You're listening to the Van Moody Podcast. Our passion is transforming the world by transforming lives. In today's episode, we'll continue in our new series with part nine, Grieving Well, featuring mental health expert, Destiny Love. The reality is grief is healthy. And when we understand that it is God's tool to us, we can begin to utilize it to get over the pain in our lives. Let's get started. Happy Sunday, family. It is always great when God allows us to come together and worship, whether we're in person or even digital. And so right where you are in your home or uh, perhaps you're joining us via your mobile device, would you take a second? Let's pause together and pray. Our Father and our God, we are so grateful for this day that you've given us and this opportunity to come now to your holy and your divine word. I pray, Father, that you would stand up in us and speak through us. Prepare our hearts, Lord, for what you want to say to us this morning. In the mighty and matchless name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, family, I want you to join me uh, in two passages of Scripture. Uh, we're going to start in uh, Ezra chapter 10, and then we're going to go to a familiar story with Jesus uh, in the New Testament. In Ezra chapter 10, in verse number 1, it says this. It says, while Ezra was praying and confessing and weeping, and throwing himself down before the house of God. A large crowd of Israelites, men, women, and children gathered around him, and they too wept bitterly. And then I want you to meet me in Luke chapter 19. In Luke 19, it says this. It says, as Jesus approached Jerusalem, he saw the city and he wept over it. Family, this morning, we want to talk about grieving well. Grieving well. Now, I said it before, but it bears repeating. Happy Sunday to all of our friends and family, our extended TWC family, and our friends that may be joining us from not only around Alabama, but around the world. For the last several weeks, we have been focused on the topic of mental health and mental fitness. The truth is, in order for us to embrace the new that God is doing, we must prioritize mental health and mental fitness. But it's impossible to fully address mental health and fitness without dealing with grief. And I honestly think that that's even more important now than ever before. You know, one of the things that COVID has done is that it's brought us face to face with so much loss, whether that loss has been through death or isolation or even through extreme changes. So much has changed through COVID. One of the things that we've had to experience so much over the last almost two years now is loss. You know, it's, it's interesting. I finished uh, a second doctorate while going through COVID, but I personally feel like through COVID, I got a PhD in grief. Mm. You know, it kind of felt like I had an intense study about how to deal with great losses of life. And so this is important because an undeniable truth is that you can't be mentally healthy and mentally fit if you cannot handle grief well. And so what I want to do today is I want to share a few of the things that I have been learning and studying from the Word of God going through this season of so much grief. I want to share them with you, and then I want to share with you also how you can get through the major losses in your own life. Now, I've invited Destiny Love uh, of Love and Associates to help me this morning. Destiny is a part of our ministry team. She is a mental health professional. She's also a spiritual director in training. And so what Destiny and I are going to do is we're going to team teach this message this morning. I'm going to give you the pastoral side and the biblical side, if you will. And she's going to give you the counseling side and maybe even a little bit of the therapeutic side yeah. of how to process and handle grief. Now, there are some of you that may be thinking, well, I'm good. I'm not going through anything negative right now. Well, listen, don't turn us off. Stay tuned into this message in this worship service, because regardless of where you are now, the truth is, unfortunately, you will need this message sometime in your life. Now, you may be looking at your life and taking inventory and thinking, well, I don't really need it right now. But listen, I highly encourage you. Um, take out the notes in our TWC app and follow along with us because the truth is at some point you're going to go through major losses in your life and you got to know how to handle it well. So let's jump right into it. But the word of God teaches us, number one, 
is that loss is unavoidable, mm -hmm. but grief is a choice. Let me say that again. Loss is unavoidable, but grief is a choice. You have to choose to grieve. A lot of people choose not to. They, they want to stuff it down. They want to deny it. They try to go through all of the losses of life without ever really grieving. And that's a really big mistake. There is no life without change and there is no change without loss. And there is no loss without pain. But grief is a choice. Now I gotta unpack this. Every living thing, all living things change. The only things that don't change are things that are not alive. So if you are alive, part of life is that you are going to go through changes in life. The things around you change, the things inside of you change. There's no change though without loss because in change, you lose some of the old particularly in order to grab some of the new. It's kind of like a trapeze artist in mm. the circus. If you remember the trapeze artist, they swing out on one bar, but then in order to grab the next bar, they've got to let go of the bar that they swung out on. And that's what change produces. If you're going to grab hold of the new, you also have got to let go of the old. And so in change, there's loss. And the truth is we lose things all the time in our lives. But here's where the rubber meets the road. There is no loss without pain because we don't like to lose things. And so that's how we then get to this place of grief. But you must know that grief is a choice. You have to choose to let grief in. You have to allow it. You have to allow yourself to feel it. Now, when I talk about grief, a lot of times people think that grief is just something that happens only at funerals or you know, if you've lost loved ones. But the truth is we have a lot of things that we lose in life. We've got thousands and thousands of things that we lose over the course of our life. You can lose your health, you can lose your job, you can lose a friend, you can lose your finances. There are literally hundreds and even thousands of things that we have in life that over the course of our life we lose. So grief is not just simply for when someone passes. That's one of the things that grief is for, but there are a lot of other things in life that we've got to learn how to grieve well because there are other things that we lose over the course of our life. But because grief is not easy, it's uncomfortable, it's unpleasant. What most people try to do right. is they try to avoid it, they try to stuff it down, they want to put it aside. We act like I'm not going to grieve and I'm just going to get on with my life and I'm going to deny it and just keep it moving. But what you must understand is that that is the cause of so many problems, so many unresolved issues, so, so many problems that we encounter are largely because we didn't grieve well or we didn't spend time to process through the grief well. We've got unresolved and unmourned grief and because we didn't deal with it, it created other problems in our life. There are things that for some of you happened to you as a child. There are things that happened to you at school that you should have grieved over, but you didn't. And if you don't grieve over it, here's what happens. You end up getting stuck at that stage yeah. or that place of hurt. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think it's important to remind ourselves that we need to feel our feelings, like that's okay. I do believe sometimes we, we fear being overtaken by our feelings or we don't want to live in them. Yeah. Right, so as a result, like you shared, we'll just stuff them down. I've seen it in my own journey and in that of those that I've met with in therapy sessions or counseling sessions, that there are not many safe spaces that allow for that real raw vulnerability, you know, for the feelings to come up. So in that respect, what we begin to do, it causes us to hide. It's like, you know what, let me just go back into my shell and forget about it. But yes, we are able to do that with God, but we already know that God has created us to be in community. And it's a beautiful thing when we can come together and how he uses um, people to reveal more of himself, yeah. especially during those times of grief. And, and I love how you normalize life experiences. 
we have to normalize life experiences. We share the expectation that comes along with the human experience and I hope that we're not completely taken off guard. Yeah. And of course, there's no way to fully prepare for a loss, but when we begin to normalize some of the, um, the uncontrollable things that can happen, we begin to process them in a different way. So we know grief is unpleasant. Thank you for sharing that. Grief is unpleasant. If you're sitting there, just go ahead and say that out loud. It's unpleasant. We must normalize that it's uncomfortable. It's messy. You know, it doesn't necessarily go in this in a pretty little box rather than the expectation that it should be some kind of way that it should be easily digestible to those around us. And this is why we need safe spaces, both internally and externally, those areas of love and grace and peace and freedom from judgment or condemnation. You know, in that safe space, we can process our grief in healthy and helpful ways so that we do not come into agreements with distorted thought patterns or just outright lies because that can happen in a vulnerable moment. So as, as you shared in this series, we can begin to live from a place of hurt rather than from our healed place. And that really begins to impact our environment. Yeah, yeah. And you know, it's interesting because that kind of gets us into this next big point. And this is this, um, grief is healthy. Here's the next big thing that we wanna share with you this morning, that grief is healthy. It is healthy. When Destiny talked about living from a healthy place and not a place of hurt, you can't get there without grief. And that's a part of why grief is healthy. In fact, it's one of the only healthy responses that we have when we have a loss. Because in many ways, it is unhealthy to try to deny that loss or to deny that hurt. Grief is without a doubt, one of the most painful emotions that we go through in life. But what we often don't realize, recognize, or even appreciate is that it's also one of the most helpful emotions. Mm. Now, I know some of you are saying, okay, Bishop, that I don't get that. How is that? How is grief helpful to me? Well, grief is God's tool to help us to get through the transitions of life. If you don't grieve, as I mentioned a moment ago, in your losses, you get stuck there. And some of us, honestly, are still stuck. Some of us are stuck at the age of 14 or the age of 28 or the age of 32. Some of us are stuck in those places where we had major loss because we didn't grieve. And since we didn't grieve, we allowed ourselves to get stuck there. And you know what's interesting, Destiny, is we often wonder why then we, people come to us or we ourselves start wrestling with anxieties mm. and phobias and fears and other kinds of emotional anguish. Well, all of those things often surface because we never learned how to grieve yeah. well. Now, I'll give you an example of this. I, I think all of us would agree, the Bible is clear that Jesus was sinless, that he never did anything wrong, he never sinned, he never did evil. So that means that Jesus never did basically anything unhealthy, mm -hmm. right? And yet Jesus grieved. The Bible tells us that Jesus wept. The Bible says that he was a man acquainted with sorrows. As a matter of fact, when his dear friend Lazarus died, I love that story. The Bible says that Jesus grieved. He cried. Mm -hmm. He sobbed. The, one of the verses we looked at in Luke earlier, it, it shows Jesus weeping over the city. But I love how in John 11 and uh, verses 33 and in 36, it, it really unpacks this, this grieving, weeping moment when Jesus gets to the grave of Lazarus. It says, when Jesus saw Lazarus' sister sobbing, and he saw all of those with her were crying also. His heart was touched and he was deeply moved. And then you drop down to verse 36 and it says, and then Jesus started crying. Hmm. And they said, see how much he loved Lazarus, they said. I want you all to notice this. Jesus started crying. Now, there's a lot in just that because one of the things that I think is important to deal with right up and through here is that sadness is not weakness. There's this ugly myth in the world that suggests that sadness is weakness, and that's just not true. Jesus was one of the strongest men that ever lived, but he wept, he grieved. Mm. You know, there are often times when I've been praying for people that I care deeply about who often are in some like agonizing situations mm -hmm. and in some deep trouble, often in my prayer time for them or in my prayer time about things that are really near and dear to my heart, 
often I cry, I weep. Mm -hmm. Often as I'm crying out to God for people or for situations, there are literally tears streaming down my face. So many mornings my kids have gotten up and found me in my prayer posture. And when I get done praying to greet them, they see me wiping my face because sadness is not weakness. In fact, the truth is the stronger you are, the more confident you are, the more you're not afraid to show your emotions. And oh, yeah. we see this from Jesus. Now, there are two unhealthy reactions to loss. One of them is called repression and the other is called suppression. Repression is when we unconsciously just try to block out all of the painful things that have happened, the painful thoughts from our mind. But then suppression is when we try to do it consciously. We intentionally say, you know what? I'm not going to think about that hurt. I'm not going to deal with that pain. I'm, I'm just going to put my head down and move forward. But it's important that we understand that that is a mistake. That's the wrong way to handle grief. To, to not grieve losses is a big mistake because grief is God's gift to help us get through the transitions of life. Let me explain it this way. If you don't let it out in healthy ways, then you're going to act it out in unhealthy ways. That's so good. Yes. I gotta say it again. Yes. If you don't let it out in healthy ways, then you're going to act it out in unhealthy ways. And I've seen this often in, in all of my years of ministry, I've seen a number of people who as adults are doing all kinds of bad behavior because they simply never grieved mm -hmm. over the stuff in their life. Maybe they never grieved over an alcoholic dad or an unloving mother, or maybe they never grieved over mistreatment or prejudice or bigotry. The truth is if you don't grieve the losses in your life, then somehow, some way, you're going to end up acting those things out in unhealthy ways. Another thing that we need to realize is when we swallow our grief and try mm. to stuff it down, you know what happens? Our bodies suffer. Oh, yeah. Doctors have literally said that there are lots of illnesses that people have that come from unresolved grief, unresolved regrets, unresolved resentment. You know, a lot of people could be delivered from recurring pain in their bodies if they just simply learn to grieve well. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. My goodness. That is a, you said a mouthful. We don't learn how to grieve well. And that's a whole word in itself. And I think of the phrase my partner often shares that feelings are not pathological. And I think this is a great reminder for us. God created us with feelings to feel. So when I begin to think of this reality, I think about our upbringings, right? I think about um, how often we, as children, we're not given the space at times yeah. to feel our feelings, let alone express them, you know? And of course this applies to adults as well, but it makes us feel uncomfortable. When somebody around us is expressing a, a huge emotion, we begin to go into how it makes us feel. And right, we don't like to be uncomfortable. So we have to rest in the unknown. And that is a thing that is required, but does not come naturally. The human brain is constantly assimilating into schema in order to make sense of situations. And we're not taught how to just sit in the unknown. Wow. And so that is um, one of the things that I continue to see. And we are designed to be in alignment. So as you were sharing, I just, that's what came to my mind, how we are designed to be in alignment with God, to be in flow with him. And as you were sharing, I saw this, um, this vision of a flow, right? Like, like a stream, but with multiple dams along the way. And that flow can be obstructed. And this is also how I see us, you know, at times we're God's vessels. But when we swallow our grief and our emotions, as it's as if we're clogging up the vessel. Wow. And as a result, we can begin to have these physical manifestations because it has to go somewhere, right? Yeah. It's gonna come out. But what if we looked at those moments of big emotion as an opportunity? Oh, an good. opportunity not only to feel them, but to lean into them, to get curious about them, to invite God into them. And this can look like so many different things for different people. It can be journaling, it can be praying, it can be speaking with a professional. And you know, professionals are there for those safe spaces. That's yeah. what they went and got their training for. And the soul is a very delicate um, entity and, and it must be handled with care. 
And of course I could be biased because I'm a clinician, right? But I do believe that we are more likely clinicians, professionals, those trained to deal with the soul are more likely not to re-traumatize and to hold space for the healing to occur. That's good, that's good. So loss is unavoidable in life, but grief is a choice. But then the second thing we shared is that you have to choose to enter into it. You have to embrace it. Why? Because grief is healthy. It's good. It's uncomfortable, but it's good. It's the way that we get through the transitions of life and even the stages of life. But here's the next point that I think is important for all of us to understand. And it's this, that God grieves Mm -hmm. with me or with us. Yes. God grieves with us. In fact, your whole ability to grieve actually comes from God. The only reason that we have emotions is because God has emotions. Mm. We were created in the image of God, so God gave us the ability to have emotions. The reason we grieve is because God grieves. Mm. Let me ask you a couple of questions. Did you know that God gets sad? Did you know that God weeps? Did you know that God feels sorrow? Did you know that God has regrets, particularly when he sees the evil that people do? The Bible is very clear that God is an emotional God. And so your ability to grieve is what makes you different from animals. Cows don't grieve, worms don't grieve, Mm. birds don't grieve, but we grieve. And you know, when we say, I'm not gonna grieve over that loss, I'm just gonna put my head down and pow through and I just gotta do me and all of that stuff we say, you're denying the very thing that makes you a human being. Mm. When we act like that, we're denying the very thing that makes us like God. We were created in his image. Animals don't grieve, but we grieve because we were made in the image of God. So you don't want to say, I'm not just going to grieve and that's weak or I'm just going to not let this get to me. No, 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 no. If you don't grieve, you're not human. Mm. If you don't grieve, you're pretty much a robot. Whoa. Hello. And so indeed, it's a part of our humanity and our divinity to feel emotion. And I don't think that we talk about that enough, right? We have to give ourselves permission to grieve. This often establishes one to take on a Christ-like identity by giving yourself permission to feel without judgment. Give yourself permission to not run away from what it is that you're feeling. And I my example is Jesus and he demonstrated this even on the cross. So however, sometimes we can go through traumatic events in our life and what begins to happen is we begin to numb ourselves. We, We are some powerful beings. So in an effort to protect ourselves and to survive the traumatic incident, we can become disengaged from our bodies and we don't even know what we feel. And I also see how in some instances we struggle to acknowledge because we really don't know. I, you know, we know good, we know bad, but not the array of emotions and feelings in between. So we've been taught lies about feelings, just as as you mentioned earlier, that it's a weakness and that the more that we're able to endure without breaking demonstrates strength. And I believe that is one that just really keeps us um, in a, keep us bound. Yeah, it's amazing how, how a lot of the world systems we allow to inform us. And that's why I think what we're doing this morning is so important because The Bible is very clear that God not only gave us the ability to grieve, but that God actually grieves with us, that God suffers with us. He is a suffering God. He's a sympathetic God. When we're in pain, God is not aloof somewhere. He's not standing over there in the corner, watching from the sidelines, acting like, oh, well, you better get over that. Right. Why don't you just buck up and and work harder and, and act like a man or act like a woman? No, no, no. God didn't act like that. The Bible is very clear. God isn't aloof. He's not standing on the sidelines saying, I hope they get through it. No, the Bible is very clear that God actually enters into our pain and enters into our moments of grief. Psalm 34 and verse 18 says it this way. It says that the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. Oh, please pay attention Mm -hmm. to that family. Pay particular attention to that word close because some of you may be brokenhearted this morning. Maybe your heart was broken over the course of things that happened during COVID. Maybe your heart was broken this week, maybe this month, maybe some point this year, or maybe your heart's been broken for a very, very long time. But here's the truth and the hope of the gospel. God is close to the brokenhearted. Mm. See, oftentimes we think that God's a million miles away and he's nowhere to be found, but guess what? That's not true. 
He is as close to you as he can get. You just need to learn to tune in to him, to open your heart, to receive the healing that God wants to bring in those broken moments. The Bible tells us very clearly that grief is healthy and that God grieves with us. But here's um, the next thing that the Bible teaches us about how to grieve well. And it's this, grief is often healed in community. Mm-hmm. And grief is often healed in community. That means that you're not gonna get well on your own. That's a word <laughs> by itself. Nobody gets well on their own. Right. We are better together. That's even the power in us teaching this message on Sunday together. Because we're better together, we need each other. When God created man and he put him in the Garden of Eden, Adam was living in a perfect environment. And yet, even in a perfect environment, God said, it's not good for man to be alone. And so from the story of Adam and Eve, we find out that one of the things that God hates Hmm. is loneliness. One of my favorite scriptures is another Psalm. I didn't put it in your notes, but it says that God places the lonely in families Hmm. because God hates it. He made us to be in community. He hates it when we're by ourselves. God created us for community, for relationship. We are created to love God and to love each other. And whether you ever get married or not is irrelevant. The point is you need people in your life. Yeah. You need relationships, you need community. So singles, don't, don't think that this is not for you. We all need each other. The Bible says it like this in Galatians 6 and 2, carry each other's burdens. Mm. And in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. In other words, when you're in pain, I'm supposed to carry your pain. When I'm in pain, you're supposed to carry my pain. When either of us are in grief, we're supposed to carry each other's grief. We are supposed to support each other. Romans 12 and 15 says this, when others are happy, be happy with them. If they're sad, share their sorrow. Look at what the word of God tells us to do, Mm. to share each other's sorrow. Yes. Because grief is healed in community. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. And there are studies that show that connectedness promotes more healing properties than isolation. Mm. And I believe it is because we are created to be in relationship. And I do think it's important to note, though, that the importance of healthy communities, we can be in some environments that are not healthy and it can perpetuate grief, unfortunately. But there's something called the ministry of presence, you know, being with a person rather than trying to come in and fix it or to rush them through their process because of course we're uncomfortable or holding space you know that includes more questions and silence rather than advice giving or how about meeting their need rather than what we think they need right we can begin to ask some questions how can I show up for you in a way that's helpful what do you need from me today and we have to remember that sometimes the purest intentions can produce harmful results when timing is not considered So for example, when an incident is really fresh and we rush in to try to give advice or directives or even a scripture that's used out of context, it can be be hurtful. So I've seen how therapy or counseling and healthy relationships or small groups has been the safe space needed to to foster and promote that healing. Yeah, that's good, that's good. Here's a big one then as we talk about how to grieve well I think it's important that we also uh, move into this next big point, and that is that grief takes time. Grief takes time. It it isn't overcome quickly. It's not like something that you'll say, okay, I'll give it 48 hours, and then I gotta get back to my life. It it just doesn't work that way. Grief has its own timetable, and you simply can't rush it. You know, there have been so many times in my life when I've been going through things or grieving through some things and I've had people do exactly what you talked about. They may have good intentions, Mm -hmm. but they really made it worse. And they said things like, well, aren't you over that yet? Right. But let me explain something to you all this morning. You don't get over grief. You get through it. Mm. That's so good. I got to say that again. That's so good. You don't get over grief. You get through it. You will never get over the major losses in your life, but you will get through those major losses in your life. See, grief is not something you get over, Mm. but it is something that God will get you through. You know, there are a number of things that we've experienced just through COVID alone that we will get through, but we may never get over. 
Many of us will remember what we've experienced for the rest of our lives because it's a part of our life story. And this is a part of what the Bible means when it says how God um, takes all things and works them out for the Mm. good. Doesn't mean that everything we go through is good, but God uses those things because they're a part of our life story. So the point is, don't try to get over it. Get through it Mm -hmm. because grief takes time. You know, the Bible says this in uh, Ecclesiastes in chapter three, uh, and I love to start around uh, verse number one. It says, there's a time for everything. There's a season for activity or every activity under the heaven, and then you drop down around verse four, and it says there's a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn, and even a time to dance. And what the Bible is saying here is that in many ways, life is composed of opposites. We have good days, we have bad days, we have ups, we have down days. There's even a time to weep and then there's a time to rejoice or to dance, one translation says. There's a time to be sad and to mourn, but then there's also a time, the Bible says, to dance and party, right? Both of them are legitimate parts of our life and it's maturity when we can handle both. You know, if you can only enter into the parties of life, and if you're only good when it's time to dance, but you don't know how to grieve, you're really missing half of your life. Yes. Because that's the part of your life that God uses to help us to grow spiritually. The truth is, we don't grow in the parties, or I sometimes call them the mountaintop experiences. We don't really grow then. When we really grow Mm. is in those valleys, in those difficult times Mm. and challenging times. But the other thing that Ecclesiastes says is that there's even a season to mourn. So it helps us to understand that grief is really a season. It means that it's more than just one day. It's more than a week. It's more than 48 hours. Grief can last for a season. And talking about season in the Bible, um, in the Old Testament in particular, uh, there's a phrase uh, that the Bible uses when talking about the season of grief. It's called a time of mourning. And when it refers to a time of mourning, um, it's talking about uh, an extended period of time. Uh, The Bible in Deuteronomy talks about the time of mourning when Moses died. Mm -hmm. God gave the nation of Israel 30 days to, to mourn for Moses before Joshua stepped up to lead them forward. And the reason that God gave them time to grieve is because that's a part of the healing process. You don't just say, okay, I'm gonna get over it and the next day you're good. Mm. No, a part of how you are healed through the grieving process is that it takes time. So what I'm trying to teach you is that you cannot get past your pain until you acknowledge it, accept it, and feel it. And once you do that, then you can get through it. So good. But so many of us have had painful or traumatic experiences in life and rather than actually feeling it, actually grieving over it or actually going through the season of mourning, we just put our head down and ignore it. And because of that, you know what it does? It keeps popping up in all of these other places in our life. It's kind of like when you take a Coke bottle and you shake it up without letting the cap off. Well, what do we know is going to happen? It's going to come out in some way or the other. All kinds of bizarre behaviors and habits and fears and hangups and problems come because we don't deal with the losses that we've had in life. And that's how you get stuck. What happens is we wanna get past our sorrow without going through it. And you can't. Mm -mm. See, we have to do what the Bible calls lament. And it's interesting, Destiny, because you don't hear people talking about lament these days. But lamenting is about crying out to God with your pain, with your hurt, with your anger, with your complaints, and just telling God exactly how you feel. Yes, that is the safest place, right? And we have all probably heard of the stages of grief, but another thing that's important to note is that we can flow in and out of those stages in no particular order. Um, So this is another reason why I believe that professional help is needed during these major life transitions is because if nothing else, just to normalize what seems really abnormal. And you touched on such a remarkable concept around how our growth and development can be stunted due to unprocessed grief and unresolved trauma. And I've seen it numerous times. And I've also seen some remarkable things that happen when we can revisit some of those painful moments and invite God into them so that we can process them well. And then those are the true breakthrough moments. Absolutely. So how do I get past it? How do I move on in spite the horrific things, terrible things, traumatic things that have happened in my life? 
how do we move forward? Well, as I've said, a lot of people get stuck. As Destiny said, we, we, we get stunted in our growth because they don't know how to do this. If you want to get unstuck, as we prepare to kind of close this message, we want to share um, four important things that you have to do. If you want to grieve well and process through the, the hurtful, disappointing things that have happened, then you got to do these four things. Number one, you need to list the losses that you haven't grieved over. List the losses that you haven't grieved over. What do I mean by that? List the losses that when you go back and evaluate your life, you recognize you never grieved. You need to go back and, and take inventory of your life and, and go back and look at your life and reconsider, you know, where are those major losses? Where were they in my life? Maybe, maybe you went off to war, or maybe you experienced rejection, or maybe you missed some loved one in your life, or maybe there was a long-term illness, or maybe you lost your home or your job. There, there are lots of things that impact us um, that we didn't grieve over. You can't say, I'm going to put my head down, I'm not going to think about it, I'm just going to go through it. No, no, no. You need to go back and look at what you didn't grieve in order to move ahead. Because mm -hmm. if you don't go back and take inventory of it, that's where you often are stuck. So how do you get unstuck? You start by listing those losses that were never grieved. In mm -hmm. other words, you can't get past it until you acknowledge it. So let me frame this another way by asking this question. How many of you would love your future to be blessed by God, right? I think if I asked that mm -hmm. question and we were in person, every hand would go up. Well, guess what Jesus said? Jesus even said the grief is the key to blessing. Oh, I think I lost some of you right there. Yep. Let me show it to you. Notice what Jesus says in Matthew, in Matthew chapter five and in verse four, he's teaching on the Beatitudes and he says this, he says, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. So who gets comforted? They get comforted. Who are they? Yeah. The folk that have the courage to mourn. What is he saying here? He's saying cover-ups don't get comforted. If I cover the pain, if I ignore the pain, if I deny the pain, if I pretend that it doesn't exist, then I don't get comforted. And if I don't get comforted, I don't get blessed. Mm. Blessed are those who mourn. Hey, if you want God's blessing, you got to learn how to grieve well. Hmm. And I love the exploratory questions. I love doing that on a daily basis. These are the ones that assist us in digging deeper. Mm -hmm. And that may not be something that you want to do on your own. You may not be prepared or equipped to do that. You may want to do that in the safe space with another person. But going to the root helps us to address the real problem head on rather than just focusing on the surface symptoms. Yeah, that's good. So we want to encourage you to list the losses that you never grieved. Here's the next thing. Identify what you've really lost. So when you go back and you look at those things that maybe you never grieved, you want to raise the question, well, what did I really lose in that moment? What did I really lose in, in that childhood traumatic experience? Mm -hmm. go, go deeper. What I'm challenging you to do is to go beyond the obvious. Like you want to raise these questions. What did I lose, for an example, by having an alcoholic dad? Or what did I lose by being laid off? Or what did I really lose when my parents divorced? What did I really lose when my family moved so often as a child that maybe I didn't really build some of the friendships that I wanted? Or what did I did I lose? Did I lose stability? Did I lose security? Did I lose identity? Did I lose encouragement? Like dig deep and do the work. Because when you identify that, that's a part of helping you to move forward. You got to look at the past and look beyond the obvious and uncover um, not just what happened to you, not just what was painful, but what did you really lose? Because that will then help you understand what you need to grieve. Mm. A lot of times we say, well, I had a traumatic experience, but because we don't really peel that onion and get to the core of, okay, so then what did you lose in that traumatic right. experience? We don't really know what to grieve. So then here's the next thing. Have the courage to lament. You got to have the courage to lament. Now, lament is, as I mentioned a moment ago, a word that we don't use much today, but it is a significant part of not only the Bible, but also our worship. And so I want you to understand what lamenting is. Lamenting is a passionate expression of grief to God. To lament means that I've got a passionate expression to God about how I feel, 
Um, you cry out to God. You may shout to God. You may even weep. You may even yell. Mm -hmm. But lamenting is all about expressing that, that passionate grief and feeling to God. And here's the thing that a lot of people don't recognize. Lamenting is actually an act of worship. It's an act of worship. Uh, it can include now arguing with God and complaining mm -hmm. to God, but it is an act of worship. And I know I lost a whole bunch of people right Absolutely. there because people are saying, wait a minute, wait a minute. Complaining to God can be an act of worship? Absolutely. Yes. Now, when you complain to God, that's an act of worship. But when you complain about God, that's an act of rebellion. So you got to understand the two differences. We usually do the second. Mm. We usually complain about God and that's sin. Right. But God does say, hey, complain to me. Why? Because God can handle it. The Bible is full of laments, full of complaints to God, prayers of complaint and accusation and grief. And that's one of the things that I love about the Bible. What I love so much about this book is that it doesn't whitewash negative emotions. It's all there. It's, it's all in here. I mean, you see so many instances of people saying to God, this sucks. Like, what is yep. going on? It is all in the Bible. If you're doing your soap devotion with us, we're actually reading through the book of Job right now, in addition to the book of Acts. And it is all in the book of Job. The Bible is full of laments. In fact, there's a whole book of the Bible and it's called Lamentations. That's where the word lament comes from. That's what that book is all about. If you've uh, never read the book of Lamentations, the entire book is Jeremiah complaining to God. And God says, Jeremiah, go ahead, have your say. Go ahead, get it out. Just tell me how you're feeling. And Jeremiah was grieving a whole bunch of stuff. He was gr uh, grieving the destruction of the temple. He was grieving um, the uh, impending exile of the nation of Israel. And it's all there in this book. And here's another book that a lot of people miss, the book of Psalms. Yes. The book of Psalms, most people think, is just a whole book of thanksgiving and praise, but that's not true. There are 150 Psalms in the Bible, but get this, 65 of them are Psalms of lament. So, I mean, almost half of the book of Psalms is lament. And if you read them, it's pretty shocking that there are people that are complaining and, and expressing their grief. And David is one of the main ones that does it. David is clear when he says, God, this is not right. This is bad. What's going on? But the whole point is, God says, it's an act of worship, too. It's just as much as an act of worship as thanks is and as praise is because God wants us to take our grief to him. Hmm. You see, every emotion known to mankind, you actually can find in the book of Psalms. It's all expressed here because you have to have the courage to lament. Yes, and David was a man after God's own heart. Yeah. So that to me is just encouraging. It takes courage to lament. So when I hear lament, I think of vulnerability. But that's a word that we don't always want to run into, right? I think about opening ourselves up, which is contrary to almost everything around us that teaches us to hide and be strong, which often means, right, to just suppress your feelings, deny your emotions and your true feelings. But reframing the way we look at lamenting definitely gives us permission to release those unwanted emotions. Mm -hmm. Because remember, if we keep them in, it can cause us to begin to feel weighed down. So teaching about feelings and emotions, like it was just not one of those subjects in school. You know, we talked about reading and writing, but we need to learn um, about social skills and human interaction and psychology. You know, so um, we, we didn't learn those. We didn't learn those, so they don't always come naturally. They don't always come easily. So my vote would be to have those in school, you know, probably throughout high school. And each of these steps are so impactful. And of course they can be done alone. But like I said earlier, if you are not ready for that, you may wanna come into a safe space um, to be able to process some of those things. And it's just another important conversation that we need to have about loving ourselves. So sometimes we struggle to create a safe space within and when we have a distant or tenuous relationship with God, other voices can be louder than his, right? So in, in religion, it's definitely one of those things that impacts that relationship and can often produce shame or guilt and it causes us to hide. So meeting with someone trained to care for your soul 
is imperative. Yeah. Yes, yeah. they may be your friend or your relative, but does that alone qualify them to care for your soul? We need to be equipped to do such work. Yeah. And I believe this is where we as the body of Christ come in to be the physical and tangible expression of God in the earth, because we all have different gifts and talents and skills and roles and functions. And I consider it a privilege and an honor to be able to sit with someone, reveal the heart of God by the way we love, the yeah. patience we show, as they go through the grace, the kindness, all of it, and just help nurture them back to a place of health in order to connect or even reconnect with God. Yeah, that's so good. Here's the last thing that we'll share with you as we prepare to close this message. If you're going to get unstuck and grieve well, ask Jesus to heal your broken heart. Ask Jesus, Lord, heal my heart. Mm -hmm. The Bible says that he is close to the brokenhearted. Psalm 103 and verse 13 is one of my favorites. It says this, the Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who honor him, for he understands how weak we are. See, when we come to God and we say, God, I'm, I'm hurting, or God, I'm scared, or God, I'm grieving, or God, yeah. I just got fired and I don't know what to do. It's a huge loss, God. I don't know how I'm going to make ends meet, or God, I just lost it all maybe in the stock market, or I was working on this big deal and it just fell through. Or when we come to God and say, Lord, the divorce is final. Or, or the engagement that I was so excited about and I thought I met the one, but it's broken off. Yeah. When we come to God and we express those things, God, I wanted to get married and it didn't happen. Or I wanted to have a baby and a family and it hasn't happened yet. Or I thought that I would be here by now and I don't, I don't know, God, what's going on. You know what God's going to say? I can tell you what he's not going to say. He's not going to say, stop crying. Yeah. That's what, that's what uh, humans do. The Bible is very clear. God is tender. He's compassionate. He understands how weak we are. In fact, Jesus said this in his first public sermon in his hometown of Nazareth in Luke 4 and 18. Jesus says, listen, God sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Family, that's what Jesus came to do. He came to heal the brokenhearted. So in your pain, the last thing that you've got to do is to look to God. I love how when David describes his grieving process in Psalm 23, he says, when I'm walking through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. When you're walking through the valley of the shadow of death, we got to look to Jesus. And you know what I discovered about shadows when David talks about uh, I'm walking through the valley of the shadow of death. What I discovered about shadows is that wherever there is a shadow, mm. there is light. So good. A shadow is produced because light is shining somewhere. So when we're walking through our valleys of the shadows of death and loss, and when we're grieving and we see this shadow, or we feel this weight and this heaviness and this shadow that may scare us or that may you know, cause all of these other emotions to rise in us. How do we get through that valley? We turn our back to the shadow and we look directly into the light. That's why David says, I will fear no evil. That's when fear begins to leave. That's when uh, healing begins to happen in our hearts because we turn our backs to the shadow and we look into the light of Christ. I wanna ask you as we close, have you looked to the light? Who is the light? Jesus is the light. Jesus literally says, I am the light of the world. And even in the Gospel of John, it says that the light shone and the darkness can't overcome it because he is the light. He mm. is the source. He is the place of our healing. So family, listen, as we close this message this, this morning, I understand that in absolutely no way can one message on grief speak to all of the things that we may be going through right now in our heart. And so one of the things that we want to encourage you to do uh, is we want to encourage you to go out to our TWC website. There's some additional uh, information and resources there about um, grieving and how to um, continue this grief process in the right way. And then even we spent the last four weeks talking about mental health and mental fitness. Mm -hmm. Four weeks is not enough time for us to, to really do justice on this topic. And so we wanted to populate our website with lots of additional resources mm -hmm. for you because we know if you're gonna embrace the new that God has for you, then we've gotta be mentally healthy and mentally fit. We've gotta learn how to grieve well. And so I wanna encourage you 
Um, if this message spoke to you, if you would like more on this topic of grieving or mental health and mental fitness, go out to our website. There are some great resources uh, that Destiny and other uh, mental health professionals have, has helped to put together um, so that we can continue this journey towards healing and wholeness. But then one of the things I'm also excited to announce, we're announcing a lot of cool new things today. Um, but one of the other things that I'm excited to announce is that we're working behind the scenes um, to launch Hope Counseling Center. So in a couple of months, you're gonna hear more about Hope Counseling Center. Destiny, really quickly, what's the vision of Hope Counseling Center? Oh my goodness, the vision for Hope Counseling Center is that we will lead in that conversation around mental health and just provide a holistic care, mind, body, spirit, to really begin to see people walking in that freedom that, that Christ died for. Amen. Well, that's a part of what Jesus desired. When we talk about the word salvation, it means complete healing, complete wholeness. So family, this has been absolutely incredible. It's been beneficial for me oh, yeah. to even uh, teach this topic because Love even it. now, I mean, there, there are things that I'm grieving. There's loss that I'm still processing through. Uh, and this has been a blessing to share what I've learned uh, from the word of God as I've been walking through that same season. But you know what? As we close, you can't do this apart from Christ. Yeah. So before we close this message, I want to talk specifically to those of you who have never opened your heart to Christ. We talked about how he is the only source to heal our broken heart, that he is the way for us to grieve well. But if you're grieving, if you're hurting and you don't have Christ in your life, you will easily get stuck. And so I want to ask you to open your heart now. I want to invite you to receive Christ as your Lord and your personal savior also want to invite you if you've already done that well guess what we talked about how you need community and that's a part of why the worship center is here um, if you don't have a church home don't try to do life by yourself because you don't have all the resources to make it through those losses and those difficulties that are bound to come you need jesus and you need a faith community and that's why the worship center is here so we want to encourage you right now to make whatever decision you need to make um, there's going to be some key information on the screen. You can make a decision right there by texting a keyword. You can also reach out to our prayer team who's standing by ready to pray for you right now. Whatever decision that you make, we just want you to make it because we know that even in the midst of loss and difficulty, God's got great things in store for you. Mm -hmm. So family, we love you. We hope you've enjoyed this message from Bishop Van Moody. For more information about Van Moody Ministries, please visit vanmoody.org. Thank you for joining us and have a blessed week.